after church, you'll hear a little bit more about it later. We're going to have an egg hunt for these these uh, young men and young ladies uh, as well. But it is good to have you today. And uh, we do count it an honor and a privilege that you chose to be here. Um, in, uh, and you could have been anywhere else, mind you. But you chose to be here at Voice of Praise Worship Center this morning. And again, we, we all know by now, it, yes, it is Easter Sunday, Easter Sunday 2023. I was looking back through some of my, uh, you know, many of you all, I'm sure, are like me, and you have Facebook, and then uh, I look back quite often at the memory section that pops up, and I was looking back three years ago to uh, Easter Sunday 2020. Easter Sunday three years ago, I was sitting at my desk at home and I was doing Easter Sunday service for uh, Voice of Praise Worship Center from uh, my desk at home in front of an iPad and ever everybody else was practically was at home as well. Uh, Easter 2021, we drove up out here on the parking lot on this uh, uh, west side of the building and we had a bunch of cars and and we had loudspeakers set up and drugged the music outside and, and we had Easter Sunday outside on 2021. How great is it to be in 2023 to be back inside and not to be overwhelmed with fear and not to be overcome with uncertainty, but to know that God is blessing us and has blessed us with another year. It's good to be here inside the worship center on Easter Sunday, 2023. Well, if you have your Bibles, I want you to go to Jeremiah chapter 29. This is going to be a little bit of an unconventional Easter Sunday message. Um, I, certainly we've already heard much about it and I'm, I'm going to take some time and elaborate on the, the death, uh, death burial and resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But I want to preach to you about, uh, a message that I've entitled the big picture. But if you've got your Bibles, I want you to, or your, your electronic device, go to Jeremiah chapter 29. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse number 11. I'm reading from the New Living Translation in this particular verse. Jeremiah 29 and 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster. To give you a future and a hope. Man, you know, I've got plans for my wife. We've got some vacations planned and she's probably got plans for me like you need to clean my car up uh, or something like that you know we all of us have plans in some manner of speaking don't we but just think about this the God of all creation the God from whence everything comes says that he has a plan for you wow how amazing is that? How how awesome is that to say that I have a plan for you? I want to preach to you with the thought in mind, the big picture. Any of y'all ever put a jigsaw puzzle together? Y'all ever done that? Man, when I was coming up as a kid, it was a thing on my mom's side of the family. In my grandmother's living room, there was usually a card table. And in that card, there was always a jigsaw puzzle. You know, for you that, that are 
are there, is there anybody in this room that does not know how, what a jigsaw puzzle is? Yeah, okay. I have to check because I realize that I'm becoming dated. When I was talking, we, Sarah and I were talking to Heath and Madison a few weeks ago after Wednesday night service, and I said something in about an Atari, you know, the video game. I said something in about Atari, and Madison looks at Heath, she says, what's an Atari? Sometimes I'm dated, okay? But a jigsaw puzzle, they've been around forever, and, and, and most of us know what they are, okay? My family, they always had that, that table set up in my grandma's living room, and you could walk down the, the, the street a little ways, about a half a block, and you could go down to my great aunt and uncle's house, and, and you could go to their house, and you walk in there, and I, it was like walk, I mean, it was like being in a Wizard of Oz movie. You had to walk down this long hallway, and you was, you was expecting Oz to be at the end of this hallway. It was a big old house. And then when you get to the end of the hallway, you, you turned into the living room. And when you got in the living room, there was a big table right in the center of the living room. They didn't have TV or anything. And right in the center of that table was, uh, right in the center of that room was a table. That table had a jigsaw puzzle. And we like little ducklings would go in behind my mom. And my mom, first thing she would go, she wouldn't go speak to Aunt Lou or Uncle Arthur. She would go over and see if she could fit a couple pieces in that puzzle. You know, the, uh, the funny thing about a jigsaw puzzle, when they cut those things out, those pieces were only fit one certain way. One piece doesn't fit another. Sarah and I took a, uh, a spell. Y'all know what a spell is, don't you? You know, we took a spell a few years ago that we decided we were, we would do that during the winter. You know, we're getting elderly. We want to keep our minds sharp, work our minds more, you know. So we got, we got some of these big puzzles, you know, like, uh, hundreds and hundreds of pieces and we have us a card table and we set it up in our living room right in front of the couch and we, if we watch TV, we're still sitting there. And, and I found myself one morning at, at, at uh, it was getting so close. It was. I was getting so close. I knew I could do it. And I found myself at three thirty in the morning still. And I go into the bedroom when I get done, and I and I go, "Yes, I finished the puzzle." Because I, I had got all the pieces to fit together. You know, that's the challenge of the puzzle. Everything goes in its proper place. No two pieces are cut the same. Only one piece is designed to fit in one certain place. Has that, those pieces begin to find the place that they fit, then the puzzle begins to take shape. On most of the puzzle boxes, there's a beautiful picture, you know, on the front of the box. And I like setting the box up in front of me where I can look at it and, and, and I sort of use it as a guide to determine, well, this color goes here and this color goes there. And, 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 and it really helps to have a little bit of a guide as the box is setting in front of me. But you know, I can remember when I was a kid, my mom and all the family, they would pass those puzzles around. And sometimes in the process of handing off puzzles from one household to another, sometimes there would be pieces that would get lost. But you know what? You can put a puzzle together and then you can have that thing almost all the way through, all the way put together, almost all the way complete, and you discover you're missing that one piece. Don't you? 
the bomb without that one piece. That puzzle is never complete. The picture is never finished as long as that one piece is missing. You see, in that in that sense, if you would, in, uh, of things, I want you to know this: that God has a. It's not really a puzzle. But God, I thought it was a plan of sorts. But God has a plan. And in that plan, that plan existed before the foundations of the earth. Uh, the Apostle Peter, uh, uh, he, he more than alluded to it, he referenced that. That before the foundations of the earth existed, God knew everything that was going to happen. He knows who you are. He knows who I am. Our problem is that we have a limited uh, perspective, if you would, of, of what's going on around us and what's happening. In fact, the Apostle Paul says uh, in his letter to the to the Corinthian church, in his first letter, he says that in this life, he, he compared it to looking through a glass darkly, or a that if you interpret that, it actually means a distorted mirror. You know, in, in the day that that verse of Scripture was written, or when Paul spoke, there wasn't glass refined as we know it now, and uh, there wasn't... Uh, there wasn't the means of, uh, of seeing a reflection of ourselves as we do in a mirror now. It was probably either a piece of polished metal or perhaps even a bowl of water. And, and, and in that, it's sometimes the, the, uh, our, the person's appearance would be distorted a little bit, if you would. I, I've got news for you today. Our perspective, our insight on this life at best is probably a bit distorted. At the best. I was talking to somebody just the other day, and we were we were talking about it. You know, uh, uh, different people have different faiths. We call them denominations. Uh, as long as your your faith is centered on Christ, it, you know, it, it, it's and, and His blood is the salvation and the propitiation for your sin. Then, then you pop into that Christian faith. But but within that Christian faith, there are different denominations and. And as I was talking to a man the other day, I, I said, you know what? I said, I think some of us have probably got it right, but some of us probably have it wrong. I think some of us have a little bit right, and some of us have a little bit wrong. I don't think any of us have it down exactly right. I, I don't think that any of us really know exactly what God intends or what God wants in the sense of that we have uh, such an understanding and a, 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 the ability to take the Word of God and discern it and say, I actually know this is exactly what God wants, this is exactly what God's saying. What we have to do is follow the foundation of faith in the blood of Jesus Christ. And whether you're Baptist, Methodist, Pentecostal, Presbyterian, Lutheran, whatever you want to call yourself, the fact of the matter is, there is only one Jesus, there is only one risen Lord, and that is the only way that we're going to get to heaven. It's through by Him. And in all of that, God has a plan. We may not understand it all. We may not realize it all. You may be a bit confused. You may think, well, this person says this, this person says that. Don't get confused with those things. Because here's the reality. We're on this journey for a short amount of time. I lost a great friend, a mentor of me just the other day. My friend and my mentor, I'm, uh, I'm scheduled to... To, uh, I'm scheduled to be uh, doing his funeral uh, 
some on Tuesday actually, the viewings tomorrow night and the funerals on Tuesday. And and, and I, I say I love the man's death. He's been a great mentor, mentor to me. It's going to be really difficult for me to do that funeral. But here's the fact of the matter. He was ninety-six years old. And at 96 years old, he, Monday two weeks ago, he mowed his yard at 96 years old. At, at 96 years old, he so often told me many, many times, he said, listen, he said, I died. He said, I died 56 years ago. At 40 years old, I gave my heart and my life to Jesus. He said, so James died 56 years ago. He said, this, he said, I've just been occupying space here over these last 40 years. You see, what we find ourselves in is a temporary situation. This life that we live in is not intended to be eternal. In fact, when you read the epistle of James, James said that this life is nothing more than just a vapor. It appears for a little while and it vanishes away. I lost my mind. Let me grab it. It appears for a little while and then it vanishes away. You guys probably heard me, but on the air is probably not hearing me. So it appears, appears for a little while and then it vanishes away. So if you live 96 years like James, or I saw in the, on WVVA the other day that there's a gentleman here in the Bluefield area that lived to be a hundred years old. If you live to be a hundred years old, like that, that fellow, and I appreciated his testimony that he attributed his long life to uh, to serving God. But no matter how long we live in this life, no matter how long that we are here, this life is a temporary situation. And just like the pieces of a puzzle, we're putting together the picture of life. And just like the pieces of a puzzle, until every piece is in its place, then it is not complete. I want you to know this about God. Whatever's going on in your life, wherever you're at in this stage of your life, I, I don't like to use that phrase, it doesn't matter, because it does matter, but, but understand with me, when I say that, I'm saying that, 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 not that it's not important, but there's nothing that hinders God. So wherever you're at in this stage of life, I want you to know this, God is never taken by surprise. Nothing ever surprises now, the other day, Pam sent me a text. She said, Haley's on the way to the hospital. You know, and she didn't say it in these exact words, but she said, the baby is coming. Doggone it, Asher, you got three more weeks. You're not supposed to be here yet. And other things happen, and sometimes it's surprising to us. But God is never taken by surprise. God knew Adam would fail. He knew Cain would kill Abel. He knew that the law would be insufficient. Uh, the Old Testament I'm referring to. He, he knew that, that we would need a better way to be saved. He knew that he would be born uh, in an earthly body to a virgin. We call it Christmas, the virgin birth. Uh, he knew that he would live as a common man, the man Jesus. He knew that he would be betrayed by his own. He knew that the world would betray him. He knew that he would have a mock trial. He knew that Barabbas would be chosen over top of him. He knew that he would be beaten following without mercy. He knew that he would be crucified on a cross and 
He also knew that he would defeat death. So nothing takes God by surprise. Nothing has ever occurred that hasn't at first occurred to God. Because he's omnipotent, he's, he's omnipresent, he's omniscient. That means that all those together means that he's sovereign God. He knows everything about anything, about all things. So here's where you and I fall into all of that. You and I are part of God's plan. Now, in reality, in reality, you and I, by comparison, are no more than specks of dust in the vastness of who God is. Specks of dust. Your specks of dust are very tiny. It's really only until they you get a bunch of them collected together that we even realize they're there. There's specks of dust floating in this room right now, and they're so small you can't even see them. Some of you are looking around right now. There's specks of dust floating. There's there's specks of dust here, and there's specks of dust there, uh, and we don't even realize it. The truth of the matter is that we're no more than specks of dust in the comparisons to God's vastness, but yet. He describes us in his word as being the apple or in the center of his eye. He he sees even the smallest a particle. He sees that smallest speck of dust. He places great worth on us as specks of dust, if you would. The Bible says that he loves the sparrows of the air and, and the lilies of the field. But it says he loves us even more. Wow. So in the, in, in the whole picture of God, in the, in the big picture, in the, putting the puzzle all together, you and I have a place in all of that. A number, another verse of scripture refers to God knowing the number of hairs on our head. Some of us in this room make his job a bit easier along that line, while others don't. Some of you may even bought some hair. I don't know. I had a boss one time that got a toupee. Another one of the guys walked in the room and they said he got it right before Christmas time and, and, and he, he lived hard over it even though he was the boss and, uh, another guy walked in and he looked at him. And he said, Hey Mike, he said, uh, that looks pretty nice. He said, did you get that for Christmas? He said, no, you don't buy hair for Christmas, you know. Hair's grossly overrated, okay? He knows the number of hairs on our heads. He's very attentive to every step that we take. Jesus even told his disciples that he was with them until the end of this world. Now, that means the dispensation of time. God is with us to, to the to the end of this world. The dis, to, to the, the the you know this world. Everything that we know, everything that we think on, everything that we considered is based on time. Time only exists for my benefit and your benefit. Time doesn't exist for God's benefit. There is no time with Him because God is eternal. But He said, "I'm with you all the way, all the way." Until the end of this world. God desires good things for 
you and I. Uh, he uh, he wants us to to have uh, he wants us to have good things. Jeremiah proclaimed that he has a good plan. He has a prosperous plan, and he includes a future and a hope in that plan. Peter, which is known as the Rock, he's known as the Rock because he truly understood who Jesus was. He realized that Jesus was the Savior. Peter wrote that the Lord doesn't will that any person perish. So God wants good things for everybody. God wants everybody to go to heaven. And he made a way for that to occur. And we're celebrating that. We celebrate it all. We should be celebrating it every day, every year, all year long. But we especially think about it in this Easter season because he made a way. He made a way for us to be saved when Jesus was nailed to a cross, born of a virgin, nailed to a cross, buried in a borrowed tomb, and then rose on the third day. And if we believe upon him in his death, burial, and resurrection, and the shed blood of Jesus, we shall be saved. So he wants us to have good things. He created for us a prosperous plan, and he doesn't will that any perish. But the deciding factor is up to us. What are we going to do? Are we going to accept what he has done in our life? We will never obtain all that God has for us. You will never obtain all that God has for you apart from Jesus. I will never obtain all that God has for me apart from Jesus. Now, listen, I, I you know, there's, there's a lot of people that doesn't, doesn't give him a thought. And I realize we look at them and we say, we say they're blessed. We look at materialistic things oftentimes. Actually, at the foremost, we look at materialistic things. And we'll say, oh, so-and-so, they don't never give God a thought. They've never surrendered their heart to Jesus and look at them. We'll look, we'll look, and we'll begin to make comparison. Don't let comparison rob you. Because, listen, everything that we, that we receive good, anything that we receive good, we're going to obtain it through Jesus Christ. In Psalms 49, verse verse number 12, we find this scripture. It says, but man in his splendor will not endure. He's like the animals that perish. I, I don't mean to hurt anybody's feelings this morning, okay? I don't mean to hurt your feelings at all, but I've got some, I've got some sad news for you. When old Blue, your favorite coon dog died, Old Blue didn't go to heaven. When Fluff the cat got mashed right on the center line, old Fluff didn't go to heaven. There's only one creature that has a living soul, and that is humanity. That's man. We have a living soul. There's only one creature that can be redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And somebody says, does that mean there won't be any dogs and cats in heaven? I didn't say that. I don't know. I've never been there, so I can't say that, okay? But I, but I do know that the only creature God created that has a soul is man. You and I. And what the psalmist writes is, but man in his splendor will not endure. What he's saying there, us in our own ability. 
in all of the accomplishments that we can make in life, in all that we can do in life, we will not endure. And it's talking about our souls. It's talking about eternal life. He said he is like the animals that perish. Without God in our life, without God in our life, we're not going to endure. Without God in our life, we will never see eternal life. We call it heaven. And when we think about heaven, uh, you know, I've been in ministry a long time. Been in ministry for well over 30 years, and I know most of you are looking at me and say, oh man, he's been preaching since he was five years old. Uh, that's not true. But you know, I've, I've, I walked through cemeteries, uh, you know, doing funeral services, and I, I, I listened to obituaries on the radio, or uh, now, you know, it's more so on the internet, and I, you know, I get these Posts about obituaries. You know, and the funny thing about it, it seems like that everybody that dies goes to heaven if you read their obituary. But not everybody really does. Only those who have been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ will get to inherit eternal life. We call it heaven. So I thank God for his blood. I thank Jesus for the sacrifice. But here's here's the big picture, if you would. In the big picture of things, in his sovereignty, God has made that plan for the world, this world as we know it. It's going to come to pass. That's why Jesus taught his disciples to pray, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This This... As we know it, it's all going to come to pass. It's all going to end as we know it. But right in the middle of this great big kingdom plan that God has designed and He and He's established, just like every piece of the puzzle being put in its proper place, we find you and me. Years ago and Many of you all know me and know that, uh, you know, I've played bluegrass music for all of, seems like all of my life. And when my son was little, there was some, some guys that I know that, uh, they, they formed a band and, uh, they traveled, uh, they were professional, they traveled professionally and they did a recording. And they recorded a song probably back in about 19, in the early 80s, 1980s, and my son was just a little one, and, and he loved this song, and he, but he only knew, uh, just a few words of that song. And that song says, God has a place for my soul. We could be driving down the road in the car, Zachary be in the back seat, strapped in his car seat, we think he's knocked out, mom and dad's getting a little bit of peace and quiet for, for a few minutes of time, and, 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 uh, and you'd put, and okay, I'm being dated right now, I'd put the cassette tape in the cassette player, okay? At least it wasn't eight track. And I'd put the cassette tape in the cassette player, and, and then that song would come on. God has a place. And suddenly, it doesn't matter how long he'd been asleep, suddenly he would awake and he would pick up and he'd say, For my soul, 
And God does have a place for you. And He has a place for me in the kingdom. And He has a place where we fit in. And nobody else can fit your place. That's my point. Just like, a, just like the pieces of a jigsaw puzzle, nobody else can fit your place except you. God doesn't need me. He has all these other people. Yeah, but He doesn't have you. God does, he doesn't need me. I'm, I'm all messed up. I'm all out of shape. I'm all weird. Have you ever noticed that jigsaw puzzles are made up of weird looking pieces? Being weird is sometimes good. In fact, if you study scripture, you'll find, hey, I mean, I mean, let's face it. Who, who goes out and finds out of all the people he could pick, he finds this guy that's dressed up in a coat that's made out of camel hair and he, and his food for the day is eating locusts. And wild honey. Okay. So, so, so God's okay with weirdness. Alright. If he was, he wouldn't like me. You know, most of you all, he wouldn't either. So right in his kingdom plan, just like every piece of the puzzle being put in place, God desires you to fill a place in his puzzle. No one else can do it, only you. No matter how small you feel, how out of shape you feel, how weird you feel, nobody can fill your place except you. And until you fit your place, like the puzzles that my mom would carry home from Uncle Arthur and Aunt Lou's house, and they would be missing two or three pieces of puzzle. And you could never finish the picture without you. The picture that God has for your life will never be complete. It will never be complete without you. So we must guard ourselves about getting caught up, if you would, in the things of life that bother us. God has you on his mind. According to a Faith Life blog, a blog, I read a lot of blogs and, and listen to a lot of podcasts, but according to Faith Life blog that I recently read, if we were to estimate, and I don't know how in the world they came up with this, that's why I'm telling you it's Faith Life blog. If we were to estimate the number of grains of sand on the seashores of the world, there would be Seven quintillion, five hundred quadrillion grains of sand on the seashore. That means if a person lived a hundred years, which most of us won't, but for sake of easy math, if a person lives a hundred years, when we think about that, that means God is going to bless them 2.3 billion times per second. Well, how do you get that, preacher? I get that right here. Because when I read Psalms 139, and and then I find in verses 17 and 18, this is what David said. How precious are your thoughts about me. God thinks about you. He thinks about you. Isn't that pretty good? You know, we Sarah and I went visiting the other day, and we 
we went to visit a couple and you could tell they were very lonely and they said, nobody really thinks about us anymore. We feel, you know, very, they were expressing, feeling very alone. But you know what? Sometimes we feel that way, but the reality of it is, David said, how precious are your thoughts about me, O God? They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you're still with me. You cannot imagine your mind, my mind, the number that I just threw out there to you, seven quintillion, five hundred quadrillion, that I can't wrap my mind around that. And I dare say you can't either. I mean, my gracious, that's more than the national debt of America. We probably don't get there if we don't slow down, though. But the reality of it is you can't imagine how much and how often God thinks about you. You can't imagine it. I can't imagine it. Even when we're asleep, he's thinking about us. It's impossible for us to continually keep something on our minds, but it's not for God. We continually, you continually are on the mind of God. So here's the big picture. In his sovereignty, God has a plan for this world. John, if you'd like to come back. In his sovereignty, God has a plan for this world that's going to come to pass. That's why Jesus taught us to pray again. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. God has a plans for this. You know, I, I've been hearing Jesus is coming back ever since uh, I, I first got around the evangelical church. And the reason I say evangelical church is because when I was a youngster, I grew up in the Episcopal church. And uh, then in, when I was around the age of 12 or 13, I became exposed to the uh, evangelical Pentecostal church world. And I've been hearing the first thing that I heard when I went to that Assemblies of God church, first time I'd ever been to one, was that Jesus is coming soon. Jesus is coming soon. He's coming back. Now, let me tell you something. That has been, that has been about 50 years ago. But I want you to know this. I still believe that he's coming soon. They scared the daylights out of me back then. And I didn't want to be left behind. But I I don't worship the Lord and I don't serve Him out of of fright. But I do serve Him because I love Him. But I do believe that He's coming back just like He said. And regardless somebody, people talk about signs of the times all, all the time and, and, and that's, that's okay and, 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 uh, you know, different preachers preach about the signs of the time and this has happened and that's happened and so forth and so on and so on. And all that's well and good and I'm not critical of any of that, but I do know this, not because that I'm all that smart, because, but just because I, I can use a little common sense here. It, Irregardless of what's happening here or there or what's happening overseas or what's happening somewhere else, I know with each passing day and each passing moment, I do know this, that I am one step closer to meeting my Savior face to face. If the rapture of the church doesn't occur, I'm one step closer to the end of my life.
I don't mean to sound morbid in that. I don't mean to sound discouraging. But from the time that we were born, we, yes, we, we go through uh, growing up and we go through our uh, young adult years, our middle age years, and then we, we get to the midlife crisis and all that stuff. And, and then we start thinking about, well, I've got less days ahead of me than, I, than I've had behind me. And our thinking starts changing. But regardless of how old we, we are, with every single day, Every single day, there is a greater opportunity that we're going to stand before the Lord. But right in the middle of this kingdom plan, I find myself and I find you. Just like every puzzle has to have every piece in its proper place. Again, God wants you to feel that place. No one else can do it. Like the pieces of that puzzle, only you can fill your spot. I can't be any of you. And you can't be me. So no matter how small you feel, no matter how insignificant or unworthy you feel, I want you to know this. That for the big picture, in the big picture is going to take you to complete the puzzle. I have a I had a great friend and he was a songwriter. I had the opportunity to participate in his funeral. I don't know, it's probably been I don't know, maybe ten years ago now. I, I don't know, but he, he was a great songwriter. He wrote songs with the likes of Allison Krauss. For you that are older, he wrote, wrote with Tom P. and Dixie Hall. And as he wrote these songs, there was one in particular. It may be, it may be my, it may be one of my favorite songs that he that he penned. And this song is a story about a family. And it was a large family, and they would get together every year, and it was it was the like the, the heartbeat of the mother to see all of her children come together for this great family reunion. But one of the one of the children in the family, and it was the character portrayed in the song, the, the character of the song got mad at some of the other family members. And for years he refused to go. To the family reunion, knowing it broke his mother's heart. When the mother passed away, and they went to the home and they were packing up all of her belongings, he came across a picture across the mantle. There were pictures of the family reunions, year after year after year, and he noticed he, he notices himself. In the picture, but then there's two or three more after that. But he wasn't in there. And the storyline of the song is the re- about the regrets that this man had because of the last family portrait. The last family portrait that he was in and all the other family portraits that he's missing. Let me tell you something. God wants you to be a part of this big picture. He wants you to be part of His plan. And on this Easter Sunday morning, 
2023. Can you believe 2023? A while back, I asked a young man at youth camp last summer. I asked you, I said, uh, who is your dad? And he was trying to tell me. I said, I think I know your dad. I think your dad used to come to youth camp. I said, how old is your dad? He said, I don't know. He was born way back in the 1900s. 2023. It's hard to believe it. But on this Easter Sunday morning, 2023, let me tell you something. God wants you to be a part of this. Put your value heads I'm not going to pressure you. I'm not going to come get you. I'm not, I'm not going to call you out. I don't do that. I don't, I don't want to be embarrassed and I would never embarrass you. But with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, just for a moment, please, I want to ask you a question. Is there anybody in this room today that needs you? You've not, you've never received the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. If you're in this room and you desire to be part of the big picture, you desire to fill your place, what God has for you. Remember what Jeremiah says. He said, I have plans for you. They are good. He wants you to prosper. If you're in this room and you've never dedicated your life in faith to the Lord Jesus Christ, I just want you real quickly, without any embarrassment, I just want you to slip up your hand real quickly. Anybody in this room? Anybody at all? Is there a person in this room that says, Pastor, I've known the Lord. I've known the Lord, but I've strayed a long ways away. Maybe you haven't been in a long ways. Maybe you're just a ways away. But Lord, I've strayed away. And I would I need to rededicate my life without embarrassment at all. Would you just slip up your hands so I know how to pray? Is there anybody in this room that pray for me that I will come back to the Lord where I need to be? Thank you. Thank you. Are there any others in this room? A few hands going up. Any more? Any others that say, pray for me? This is what I want you to do right now. With your heads, with your heads bowed. In fact, I'm going to ask you, you've been sitting a few minutes. I'm going to ask you, I invite you to stand with me as we pray, if you would. And I just want you to pray this prayer with me. Across the congregation. Just pray with me here, or pray after me as I, as I pray, follow along. Dear Jesus, I worship you. I believe that today, Easter Sunday, that you are the risen Savior. I believe you are Messiah, the King. Today I acknowledge your shed blood. For my sin, for my guilt, and my transgressions. Today, Lord, I accept your forgiveness. And I ask you to forgive me of my sin. Today, Lord, I release myself in faith to believe in you. Lord, your word says... That if we will believe you in our heart, and I will confess you with my mouth, that I shall be saved. So today, Lord, I'm endeavoring to meet that criteria. I believe you with my heart, 
and I confess you, Jesus, as Lord with my mouth. Restore me, Lord. You know I've traveled away from your home. I've traveled away from the house that you made for me. I'm a prodigal. I admit that. So restore unto me the joy of your salvation. And renew in me a right spirit. And Lord, I praise you. I give you glory and honor, Lord, for your grace and your mercy are all sufficient for every need that I have. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.